Welcome back to Sweet Stories in the Dell. It's a podcast about what makes Sweetbriar College truly unique. My name is Caperton Morton. I'm an audio storyteller and a Sweetbriar alum. Sweetbriar is a liberal arts women's college in Virginia, located in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. The entire campus is over 3,200 acres of rolling hills, fields, and forests, and it's all so beautiful. In this bonus episode, I introduce Joshua Harris. My name is Josh Harris. I'm an assistant professor of music at Sweetbriar College. I actually had the pleasure of sitting right next to Josh during our conversation, because last January, I spent three weeks at Sweetbriar gathering interviews for the podcast. And boy, am I glad I had that time on campus. Since then, concerns about COVID-19 prompted Sweetbriar to transition to remote learning, like most other schools. When Josh arrived on campus six years ago, he began introducing technology and sound design into Sweetbriar's music program. This evolution has opened up new avenues for study and career choices. The Performing Arts Department is in the Babcock Fine Arts Center, home to the music program, and it's a nice walk to that end of campus. One of the paths there runs along the bottom of the dell, the namesake of the podcast. Hello. This is Brianna Ray. Brianna, hey. Oh, cool. We've just been going through um, receipts from our trip to Sundance. Their class trip to Sundance is a big deal, and it comes back up later on. In the spring of 2016, Sweetbriar entered a Chegg Incorporated contest. And if you don't know, Chegg is an online resource for students that offers grants and scholarships, too. The contest prize was a concert with Rachel Platten. So Sweetbriar supporters everywhere rallied, voting every day for a month. And out of the 2,500 school entrants, our small college out in the country actually won the contest. The reason I bring any of this up is because winning the Chegg contest also meant that Sweetbriar received the David B. Goldberg Music Grant, worth $10,000. Now, I had no idea who David Goldberg was, so I looked him up. He had been the CEO of SurveyMonkey, and it seems he was quite passionate about music. Sadly, in 2015, David died unexpectedly. But his passion for music became a catalyst that really inspires students at Sweetbriar. And the music faculty, we each pitched, you know, what we would do with the money. And, um, you know, I was fortunate that, that my proposal was chosen to, to institute a, a studio, a space for creating electronic music. It's called the Sound Art Production and Analysis Studio, or SARPA for short. And Josh is the studio's director. That's a professional setup. Tell me about it. The idea was, was to provide students with the technology and the gear to be as creative as they could be. And so I don't have any specific uh, intentions for how to use the space, but I wanted to have uh, lots of tools there for students for whatever they, they could imagine. So we've got software that lets us program 
so that we can create musical instruments from scratch. Like we've built synthesizers and samplers and loopers and things like that. And I think that those computer programs like Pure Data and Max MSP let students just explore and, and build whatever suits their personal projects and their personal needs. What are some of those projects? We've had a couple of students record full-length albums of original music as part of their senior capstone project in the music major. Um, we've had a course on sound design uh, in which students, you know, they, they took a scene uh, from a movie, took all the sound out of it, and then they had to replace it. They had to re-record everything, including dialogue, sound effects, ambient sounds, um, music, you know, even, even people who don't think of themselves as musicians had to use this uh, technology to create soundtracks, and they did a great job. What are some of the reasons students interested in music choose to come to Sweetbriar? I think that like any other field, they know that they're going to have an opportunity to work closely with their professors. And I think what makes this program distinctive is the opportunity to work in music production and in audio production in a really um, you know, professional level setting from day one. In fact, you don't even have to be a music major to take some of these classes in the studio. Sweetbar has an accredited engineering program, and I ask if the new music technology has caught the attention of the engineering students. Yeah, in fact, one aspect of Daisy's Harp is technology. Daisy's Harp is the student music ensemble, and Josh talks more about it later. But not just technology we buy, I want to build technology. So the first thing we did is we built a laser harp. Well... It's a, it's not a laser harp yet because there are no lasers in it, but it's a light sensitive harp right now. It's a prototype and we keep kind of adding to it and adding features and stuff. But I had a prototype using a, a, an Arduino unit and a breadboard. A breadboard is a platform for creating circuit designs to test. I had a violinist in Daisy's harp who was an engineering major. And she said, you know, I can, I can install this in a case. So that is more presentable because it was just a bunch of wires sticking out of a piece of plastic. And she put it in a black box and she, um, I think she actually soldered a circuit board so that all the connections are more secure now. It looks much prettier. So it's great to have the engineering students around. At the end of our conversation, Josh shows me the SARPA studio. It's on the lower level in Babcock next to the practice rooms. The studio used to be the music library, but now its shelves are filled with tech-related gadgets. There's a pegboard on one wall that holds rows and rows of wound-up cords, and against another wall is a table with two computer monitors, a keyboard, and a small rack holding recording equipment. Here's the light oh, harp. Yeah. Oh, so. That's so cool. The black case is about the size of a large tissue box. And Josh pulls up some electrician's tape holding the bottom in place so I can look inside. The breadboard is actually attached to the top of the case, where there's a web of colored wires. There's also a hole on the side of the case where a USB cord slides in to attach to the breadboard. Um, so actually, this this patch is actually for this. It's called a Leap Motion Controller. And this is designed for... Um, virtual reality so it can track your fingers in in real time so let me see if i can get some sound out of this give me a second yeah. output device scarlet 
so I'm just moving my hand up and down above this leap motion controller and as I get lower the pitch gets lower and then as I get higher on the computer screen in front of Josh is a grid with red dots these dots represent Josh's fingers hovering over the leap motion sensor as Josh moves his fingers the dots raise or lower along with the sound created now more about Daisy's harp the student music ensemble So Daisy's Harp is an idea that I had a few years ago. I was just thinking, how do we, how do we provide the best musical ensemble experience for students? Because the traditional ensembles, choir, band, orchestra, um, we're not able to support those in the traditional way. But, but also getting together and performing uh, with other musicians is really critical to music education and to developing as a musician and as a composer. I had an opportunity in grad school to work with a new music ensemble at the University of North Texas and conduct uh, several pieces over about a year. And what's interesting about that group is it was different every semester. And so you might have a trumpet and a flute one semester and then all strings the next. And so using that model, I thought that's a lot like what's happening here at Sweeper. I can never really count on the same group of instruments from semester to semester. So I thought, well, what we'll do is we'll start the semester, we'll see what we've got, and then with the students, because I want them to take leadership role, we'll figure out what we're going to do this semester. Then the students create the program. They pick the music and arrange it, figuring out who's going to play what instruments. They also create the event flyers and the performance programs. So it's it's a very holistic sort of musical experience. And I think it's actually more relevant because as a professional musician, this is closer to what I'm doing on a regular basis. You know, I never have the luxury of just sitting down and playing the music in front of me. So, so I think the students have really latched onto that idea. Daisy's harp was named for Daisy Williams, the only child of Sweetbriar's founder. She died at age 16, and the college was founded in her memory. Because I knew that this this ensemble was going to be a break in a lot of ways from the tradition of music at Sweetbriar, which has been primarily piano and voice, and I knew that we were going to be going in a a more um, futuristic direction, uh, maybe a little more avant-garde, but I wanted to be grounded in the tradition of Sweetbriar. And I know that Daisy played the harp and that her harp is on display in the Sweetbriar Museum. But as we're looking forward and being as innovative and cutting edge as we can be with music and sound, uh, we're also in touch with our our heritage, too. I know you had asked me before for some recordings so you could get an idea of what we sound like. And the truth is, we sound different all the time. It just depends on what we're doing. Um, what, I'm trying to remember, what did we do last semester? Oh, games. Uh, so we did music from video games. We had we had people come in and play video games with the sound off, and then we provided all the music and sound effects. Technology is also a big part of this because, you know, since I got here, I've it's been important to me to to infuse technology more and more into the music program. I think it's um, not only is it extremely relevant and helpful for students to have some facility with technology, but also it's really, it's an economical use of resources because anyone can learn to be a composer with a computer, even if they don't play an instrument. Take Billie Eilish. You know, she just won the big four Grammy awards on her laptop in her bedroom. It's different. You know, it's not 
Beethoven or Brahms, but I think it's totally valid. And it's, um, it's the sort of thing that anyone from any background can learn how to do. While I was at the library the week before, my research took a serendipitous spin. I gather ambient audio recordings for the stories I produce. So I recorded myself walking up and down the spiral staircase. Because as a student, I heard the echoes of my footsteps on those marble stairs almost every day. Anyway, the library circulation supervisor had seen me and ended up telling me that her husband gathers audio with his students. Well, I take a quick glance at her name tag, Megan Harris. Yep, Josh Harris is her husband, I asked. And even before arriving at Sweetbriar, I wanted to speak with Josh. But right then, it became a must. So I added another topic to bring up with him, collecting recordings with his students. First, we'll take sound walks. We just walk around in silence and sort of keeping note of every sound we hear, whether it be, you know, a building's HVAC system, uh, the wind in the trees, the footsteps crunching in the leaves, you know, all of these details that we usually tune out. Uh, it's really important for music students to be attuned to all the sounds. So I'm really strongly influenced by John Cage, who believed that all sounds could be music if you listen to it as though it were music. John Cage was an American composer, music theorist, artist, and a philosopher. He also contributed to the development of modern dance. It's almost like the listener projects music back onto the sounds. I really like that idea, but it also, as a composer, helps you be more in tune with sound in general. So I like to have students collect field recordings, and they've collected the bells ringing on the hour. Uh, we even go in the chapel sometimes and record the organ, and there's a great little mechanical organ up in the front of the chapel. And what's great about that is that there's a, um, it's got an air compressor in it, and so when you flip the switch, it takes it a second to build up the pressure to play. But if you're holding down the keys when you turn on the organ, it'll, <laughs> it sounds really uh, out of tune. Because there's no pressure, and as the pressure builds up, it comes into tune. It kind of sounds like the beginning of the movie where they have the THX logo. And then again, when you turn off the switch, that's something that they always enjoy recording. And then, you know, I have them put it through a series of processes, just do a variety of things to the sound to see what they can come up with. Uh, you know, I think that some people listen to it and probably wouldn't describe it as music, but that's okay. Uh, we know whether you want to call it sound art or music, it doesn't, I don't care. Um, it's it's all the same in my mind. Josh's wife also mentioned that the family was planning a summer trip to Europe and that Josh would be working on a project. So I asked him about that too. And just to let you know, they've postponed this trip to next summer. I'll, I'll give you some background. Last year, I was in South Korea for the International Computer Music Conference. Um, they were playing my piece... <laughs> <laughs> I can't recall the title. A tiny fleck of blue crying light into the void. That's the name of it. Anyway, so I was there and I, I spent a few days before the conference touring some islands off the coast. 
I took my Zoom recorder and I just recorded everything. You know, so, so I have sounds from people playing on the beach. I have city sounds of soul. So the idea is I'm going to make an album of ambient music using those recordings. Um, well, we are going to uh, Europe this summer, uh, going with my family. It kind of started as a trip for my daughter, who's a senior in high school. And I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll take my recorder and I'll do the same thing there. And so that's the next project. But I like the idea of getting these sounds that are symbolic, that mean something to me, and then seeing uh, where they go. Uh, I am planning to scout locations. And then uh, in the coming years, I am interested in doing a three-week travel course to Vienna and to Paris. This would be a course taught during the capstone session of Sweetbar's curriculum. I end up mentioning my audio production path through the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke in Durham, North Carolina, and our conversation morphs. We've got some students here on campus right now. I can think of three or four who are really interested in going into film. And um, some are thinking about going to film school after Sweetbriar. Some are thinking about just going and, you know, starting as a PA and working their way up. So I'm offering a class this semester called Sound on Screen. Mostly we're studying how composers and sound designers and directors and cinematographers all work together to create something that's sort of greater than the sum of those parts. A friend of mine who's a filmmaker, he's a writer and director, he asked me to do some music for his film, and I just really fell in love with it. It's, I think, I don't know, I think most people will sort of grow up with a, a mythical understanding of movies, and then when you see how they're made, you either get turned off or you get more excited by it. And I got more excited. So I've, I just finished the second film for my friend Henry Johnston. And that one hopefully will come out later in the spring. It's called Hum. But one thing I did when I started getting into film was I started looking at movies, especially recent movies that were doing really interesting things. They're blurring the lines between music and sound design. Remember when I arrived for the interview? Josh had just returned from Sundance with his sound on screen class, and he and a student were going over receipts. So while we were there, these students, they were really going out of their way to attend panel discussions and meet filmmakers, and they were talking to everyone in lines of movies. They were talking to people on the buses. They were networking. It was really impressive um, how excited they were and how, how much they were, you know, taking from the experience. But I was just meeting with a student who is now in email contact with the sound designer for a film that we saw called Scare Me. And so this student, you know, is really excited about that. And she's going to report back to the class. And that student? This is Brianna Ray. My name is B, short for Brianna, B. Ray. I am a junior at Sweetbriar College. I am a performing arts major, but uh, I like to say music major. Brianna and I had planned to meet up on my next trip to campus, which would have been in March. But since that trip was canceled, we talked via Skype. So please pardon the sound quality. I've since improved my recording method. Um, I'm very interested in Foley work. Foley work is a type of craftsmanship that's behind the screens in terms of audio. So if you hear um, a gun cocking, what you're hearing is most likely celery breaking. 
it's making sounds to emphasize what you are seeing. And not to mention that, like, sure, you can go to school for sound design, but you can't go to school for Foley work. Foley work is an apprenticeship. It's a skill that one would develop with practice over time. I actually created that gun cocking sound by breaking some celery, just like B said. It took six stocks and about 10 minutes to get that itsy-bitsy sound. And I know it's not that great. There's a lot of philosophy that goes behind what is heard. And with the experience of Sundance, we um, have a better understanding of what to listen for in terms of why the director chose this pathway in terms of like, I'm going to do this minimalism music or I'm just going to do no music whatsoever because it has a bigger impact. Josh mentioned the film Scare Me, which is directed by Josh Rubin. So the story premises that, by chance, two writers of horror novels rent cabins near each other as getaways to write. And, by chance, they meet for the first time while on a run. B picks up the story later that day. And while she shares the details, you'll hear some more of my homemade sounds and some stock audio clips, too. The audio helps suggest some mental images and add some ambiance. There were a, a lot of like traditional horror film beginnings. So um, the main character, who is played by Josh Rubin, there are times where he like he thinks he hears something in the basement. So like we're all thinking, no, don't go in the basement. Don't you dare go in the basement. He opens the door. We're like, no. And even he's like, nope. And he just shuts the door. So therefore, it's cutting off that horror film initiative. Um, as the plot moves along, it's dark and stormy. The lights cut out. And he's like, no, oh, God. And then um, Aya Cash, who plays this very successful author, so she comes knocking on the door, Josh opens, and um, she's like, my electricity also burnt out, so I'm going to chill here. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. They tell each other scary stories. And I think several of us went to see it thinking, whenever they start to tell a story, um, you know, we will see on screen a dramatization of the story. Like they'll cut to the story that they're talking about. That didn't happen. The camera was always on these two writers just talking to each other in the house. But all the sound design was from the stories that they were telling. So they didn't give us the visuals like we expected, but they were able to communicate all that through sound design. So there was one about a werewolf. So he starts lurking up the up the stairs. He's lumbering, up, lumbering the stairs. up the stairs. Yeah, he starts lumbering up the stairs. Like, like. show me that lumber. Ooh, breathe like a werewolf. Breathe. But it's not a werewolf at all. It's just vivid imagination on the screen and with that comes a lot of sound design so you really do hear um, like the scratching on the door or you really do hear the squeaky wheels of the oxygen tank and it's giving this build-up and suspense of like gosh this is actually going to scare me um i had a project to do on a modern sound designer doing contemporary movies so after i saw this film I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I love the sound design behind it. I wonder who the sound designer was. And so I looked him up. Um, his name is John Moros. So I emailed John and 
He's like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, sure. Here's my number. Uh, call me. I was like, awesome. And so then I called him and we talked sound design and scare me and fully work for about two hours. Although I was home from Sundance at that point, I felt like I was still in that Sundance feel, still in that Sundance moment, because I'm talking to a professional sound designer. What other noteworthy experiences did you have while you were at Sundance? I kept a journal. So (laughs) I wrote down my thoughts and feelings on a bunch of different movies that I saw. So the Sundance trip was a huge hit and really made a big impact on B. B also mentions that the Sundance trip was an extra $1,500, and she was able to go because of the jail grant she applied for and received through Sweetbriar. What was your path to Sweetbriar? How, how long have you been here? This is my sixth year here. Uh, I came in 2014. I was doing my graduate work at the University of North Texas. I finished my PhD in 2013, and it was around then that I got a call from an old friend who was a professor here at Sweetbriar, and uh, we had been friends as undergrads at Appalachian State. You know, he called me kind of out of the blue. He just said, where are you in your degree? And I said, well, I'm finishing up, you know, and, and he says, well, my colleague is retiring and there might be an opportunity for us to hire a composer. So I was excited. I was able to come and visit campus and just fell in love. It was beautiful. And I thought I'd really love to end up here. And I was extremely fortunate that the timing just worked out perfectly. And so I was able to get hired. This is another excerpt from Hum, the film Josh scored. It's fantastic how Josh has introduced technology and sound design into Sweetbar's music program. It really opens up the career possibilities for students to explore and gives everyone the chance to just have fun experimenting with audio. I'd like to thank a few people for allowing me to use their audio clips. Thanks to director Henry Johnston and composer Joshua Harris of HUM. Thanks also to director Josh Rubin and sound designer John Moros of Scare Me. And another thanks to Josh Harris for clips from his South Korea and Sweetbar sound collections. And one more, thanks to student Tiffany Hahn. She allowed me to record her playing outside her practice room. Come back next month for more Sweet Stories in the Dell. Take care. Thank you.